Howdy, howdy. Welcome back to Adorn Podcast. This is episode 74. And today we are going to finish up chapter four of Matthew. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. So Erin, why was it okay that we just stopped in the middle of a chapter last week? Yeah, because we've never really done that before. Not a lot. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so we just decided that it was felt like a more natural break. And so Casey and I were talking about like chapters and verses and like that kind of stuff. And then it was so funny because I happened to be reading this book um, for this program that I'm taking. And it was talking about verse and chapter and when, when all that stuff was added. So it says, fun fact of the day right here. Impress your friends at a party. There you go. <laughs> Next time this comes up in conversation. <laughs> It says, our current chapter divisions were added to the Old and New Testament by Stephen Langton, the Archbishop of Canterbury, in the early 13th century. Um, it was done in a Latin text, which then was translated to our English Bibles. But that shows us that um, while the whole Bible is inerrant and, you know, all breathed out by God. I'm trying to, like, quote the verse exactly. But the Bible is inspired by God, but the verse divisions were not, were not yeah. part of that. And yeah. so, so we just decided that we had a lot of content for y'all last week and it would, we felt like it would be better to stop and breathe and like soak in all the stuff we talked about last week. And then this week pick up because this is where we see Jesus start to walk into ministry after his temptations. Yep. Another fun fact is that many years before this guy that Aaron was just talking about that added to the verses, Augustine was also the Archbishop of Canterbury. And I don't have a cool accent like Aaron did when she <laughs> said it, but we learned that at CC this week and we talk about him a lot on here. So anyway, cool, fun facts that you can add into your, um, your fun party Trivia. <laughs> yeah, if you ever go because to like Bible trivia. Because everybody, doesn't everybody talk about theology at parties? <laughs> we do, because we're like that. <laughs> so, okay, so like we said, we're going to, we just saw Jesus coming out after the temptation, after he um, was the true and better, every single one of us, true and better Adam. He was able to, you know, say no to the temptation and quote God's word and everything we talked about last week. Now we see that he's going to um, begin his ministry. And just a little bit about that before we jump into verse 12. We know um, just from studying scripture and looking at the gospels and those kind of things that his ministry was only about three years, which is kind of surprising when you stop and think about that, yeah. right? Like that yeah. doesn't seem like that's very long for the obviously it continued after Mm -hmm. that and yeah and all that but he was um only physically here on earth doing ministry for about three years do you ever think about like especially like in his 20s if it was hard for him to like wait like wait until his time wait till the father said okay it's your time but like he knew all this stuff and like that'd be so hard I've never thought about that either what about what do you think he was on the Enneagram (laughs) oh my goodness (laughs) I was thinking like, I feel like only a seven would even care about that. No, because I was thinking, okay, like in his humanity, he probably was like, come on, God, I want to get going. And, and so then I was thinking like, yeah, as a seven, I'm like, I don't ever want to wait. I just want to get the fun going. And like ministry is fun a lot of times. So he was probably thinking that. And I was like, I wonder if Jesus was a seven, but then he also was willing to go to the cross. So maybe not a seven. 
I don't know. I don't know. know. Maybe he was all all of them perfectly. (laughs) Okay, this is way off topic. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, (laughs) continuing on. Three years. Yes. So some people have um, kind of broken this down when looking over the three years and and trying to like summarize what each year was like. Some people describe it as... um, the first year, they'll, a lot of people will call it a year of obscurity. And then the second year was a year of popularity. And then the third year, a year of rejection. I don't think it's like hard and fast yeah. like that. Yeah. But it is kind of helpful to like envision his ministry as like a year of kind of like, well, you're not mm-hmm. exactly sure. And then a year of yeah. popularity where he was growing, you know, his following his disciples were growing and then a year of rejection. But what's interesting is that most of the gospels only focus on the last two years. Mm -hmm. Um, John is the only gospel that really dives into that first year of obscurity. That's a weird word. Obscurities. Am I even saying that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Obscurity. Okay. Anyways. So we're going to start in verse 12 and go through verse 17. Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea and the territory in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, that's hard to say, (laughs) the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We see that phrase again, repent yes. for the kingdom of heaven. Remember so, 50 times. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> and so basically he's just picking up exactly where um, John left off, right? Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. even using the same language, yeah. repent. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really helpful to remember, like, although these words are really fun and crazy, like Zebulun and Naphtali, but like, and we're like, that doesn't seem real, but these are real, real places. places. And yeah. if you have a study Bible or if you, you know, you can Google or whatever, if you're the kind of person who likes map, I think like maps, looking at them sometimes helps bring that like reality of, oh, he was really here. He was in these places mm-hmm. doing these things kind of makes it more accessible and not so much just like, oh, Jesus was kind of doing his thing. Yeah, for sure. So this area was actually a melting pot of people. I I like to think of it kind of like Austin because Austin is very much a melting pot of people. If you go to the... um, like the big Austin public library. We were there last weekend and it was so cool because we sat there and we heard probably five different languages oh, that's cool. just like w- right around us. Yeah. So it was just really, really neat. But I think about that, like this, just this melting pot of people. And, um, Jesus was per Jesus purposefully did not go somewhere where the people were confident and secure in who they were and who, um, Jesus was. He went somewhere where people were more than like more likely to listen to him. Hmm. And so I think, I can't remember if we talked about this on a past episode or if it's just been in my like personal conversations, but the whole idea of kind of like going where the harvest is ripe and like, um, I think sometimes it's okay to look at your surroundings if, and if people aren't ready to hear what you have to say about Jesus, like I think it's okay to look for somewhere where they are ready to hear the good news Hmm. and to kind of go there where people are ready to accept that because that's very much what Jesus did here. Yeah, like leaning on the Holy Spirit to lead you in, in where you're going. Not right, being like, right. this is where I want to do exactly. it, Exactly. Or yeah. like, you're like, but these people need Jesus. Well, that's true. But right now, you might be needed in a different a yeah. different place. Yeah, that's a good And word. so, yeah, being open to, to go to other places. Yeah, that's good. All right, picking up in verse 18 to 22. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. 
casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with Zebedee, their father. What a fun name. Zebedee. Oh, man. I should have thought about that for this baby. (laughs) No, I'm glad you didn't. (laughs) Okay. With Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, he called them. Immediately, they left their boat and their father and followed him. Immediate. We see immediate again, Mm -hmm. just like we talked about in chapters one and two with Joseph, that immediate obedience. Yep. We can all learn a little bit from that. Or a lot of bit. Or a lot of bit. A lot of bit. Yeah. And he says, uh, follow me. That's that's Jesus saying, come be my disciples and let me teach you. Um, I think sometimes we forget about, like we use the word disciple, but we forget about exactly what it means. And it means um, to to be taught, like to be willing to be taught. And sometimes that's hard. Like sometimes we get in this um, state of mind where we think we know it all. And Mm -hmm. so having that open mind and that open heart willing to be taught. Yeah, that's really good. I think, I think we read this and we, we just assume like, oh, they must've wanted a way out or they were like, they didn't like their life the way it was. So that it was easy for them to just jump onto Jesus's call. And I, and I don't, we don't know yeah. like exactly yeah. if they loved their life, if, if they didn't. I mean, they were hardworking. They were fishermen. Yeah. They were, wasn't an easy life or anything like that. So I think just reminding ourselves again, these are real people who had real jobs and real family and they were working within the family business. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like they were just sitting on the side of the road, like waiting, like, mm-hmm. and so for them to just pick up and obey immediately, I think that's a really big deal. But I did learn something when I was reading through this. I did not know that they already knew Jesus. Did you know that? I don't think I did. So I, it's not a hundred percent sure, but like some of the commentary I was reading said that they had probably been following Jesus's ministry, not like directly as disciples, but had yeah. heard about him or seen him speak or heard about John the Baptist and that they had been kind of, um, following him for up to a year and then they had kind of returned back to their normal Mm -hmm. work which I think you know again helps us to grasp what's really going on here it was like they watched and they saw and they had faith in who Jesus was and who he said he was and so they were willing then to put their whole life into what he he was saying and what he was Mm -hmm. doing yeah so I think that that's kind of helpful I think a couple things um I take away from this is that they were aware Like they didn't just like Jesus didn't just kind of like walk by and they didn't notice him or they didn't listen or they had their AirPods in, you know, or like they, they were aware. And to me, that's a big thing that I'm trying to, to really work on. Mm -hmm. I've been feeling really convicted about that. of just being aware, like having God's eyes and his ears and his heart for the, for his people and to just be able to see what's in front of me and hear what's in front of me so that I can you know, be led by the spirit in, in things. So that's one thing that I'm taking away that they were aware they were eyes up. They were not looking at themselves or their circumstances. They were, you know, ready and willing, if you will. Um, and even though they might've known Jesus and seen his ministry, like they didn't really understand 10 steps ahead. Like, right. mm-hmm. Hey, next month, what is this going to look like for me to follow you in two years? What is this going to look like for me to follow you? But they were still willing to take that first step which that's another thing. I feel like, I feel like this passage, I didn't think this part of the story was going to be that impactful to me, but it really was to just stop and ask, like, would I follow 
Jesus, if I didn't know like five steps mm-hmm. ahead. And I mean, I think that's true for all of our lives. We yeah. don't ever know what's 10 steps ahead, but am I really willing to say, I will do whatever mm-hmm. just to follow you? Like, like these four guys did. Um, and then, okay. One more thing. Um, the fact that Jesus didn't need them. Like when we think about Jesus or at least personally, when I think about Jesus in this, I tend to think of him only in his humanity. Like, Oh, he needs people yes. to right. help him right. share the gospel. Like, cause he couldn't do it without more people, which is not true. No. But the fact that he invites these guys in and we'll see more as, you know, the more people he invites in to be part of his ministry, like what a gift that is mm-hmm. that he didn't need their help, but he was willing to invite them in so, so that they can be a part of what he's doing and mm-hmm. expand the kingdom with him. Yeah, it's such a gift. And I think, I mean, all three of those things are just super good and super convicting, but I think that's just a good reminder that... um we, like you said, like God doesn't need us to yeah. fulfill his plan, but we get to be uh-huh. a part of that. And so I think that a lot of times we can feel some guilt almost mm. like we, we worry. And once again, it's probably a, um, a personality type thing, but I think we can sit there and think, okay, if I don't do this, like these people aren't going to come to know Jesus. And if I don't do this, these people aren't going to be saved and I've got to do this. And we put it all on our shoulders. And I think sometimes we need to change the narrative to uh, like God, God's got it. Like he doesn't yeah. need us to save these people. Like it's, it's his spirit that draws them to him, but that we get to be a part of yes and we should want to so instead of doing it out of guilt or out of like Mm -hmm. worry that these people aren't going to be in heaven with us because we didn't witness to Mm -hmm. them we need to have an attitude of i want to be a part of this i want to be a part of this mission and it's such a gift to get to do that so i think everybody likes to be invited right right? exactly you want to be invited to the party you want to be invited to the yeah (laughs) (laughs) exactly yes yeah that's good yeah so picking up in verse 23 And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him back. uh, They brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics. And he healed them and great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So. I think here, if we're trying to summarize this and trying to summarize all of like, this is like a little snippet of Jesus's full term ministry. And we can think of it in, in three ways uh, that he was teaching, mm-hmm. he was preaching and he was healing. He was teaching his disciples, which this is one of my favorite things about Jesus's ministry. Um, because I think it's an area that we at large in the church in America could really grow is that, um, he doesn't just preach mm-hmm. and he doesn't just evangelize and then like, oh, you're saved. Now I don't need to talk to you anymore. Yes, yes. He really does teach and pour into his disciples, which we'll see a ton of that more as we continue the Sermon on the Mount um, or as we get into the Sermon on the Mount. But so he is teaching and he's preaching. I'm going to stop you just a second. Can you distinguish those two a little bit more? Oh, that's a good idea. Between what preaching is and what teaching is? Okay. Um, this is... It's hard. It's hard yes. to define. So, oh man, that's a good question. I guess another way... Maybe better than the word preaching would be like evangelizing, okay. teaching, evangelizing, and healing. Maybe. So maybe like teaching the gospel versus like teaching more like doctrine. 
and like how to live and like character and stuff like that? That's a good question. I would, that's how I would think of it. I would think of it as, um, teaching would be to already believers. Okay. And then preaching or evangelizing would be to unbelievers. Unbelievers. Got it. Yeah. Is that fair? Okay. Okay. That's, that's at least how I would Mm -hmm. interpret it. Um, yeah. So yeah, we see him teaching his disciples uh, showing us that there is there is a need for more learning even after accepting the gospel. You don't graduate from the gospel, but there is um, there is continuing learning that we can always mm-hmm. be doing. Um, and then the preaching or the evangelizing, which is proclaiming the gospel to those who have not yet heard it. And then we see him healing. We don't just see him healing physical ailments, which we do see, but we see physical, emotional, and spiritual ailments all brought to Jesus, which gives us a, a little tiny glimpse of what the future will be like in heaven when there is no more physical, mm. spiritual, or um, emotional type ailments at all, which is fun to look forward yes, to. It sure is. So we see, um, here's a quote from one of the commentaries I read. It says that Jesus is combined Jesus combined ministry that met people's physical needs with ministry to their hearts and their minds. Yeah. So this is something that's actually been on my mind a lot lately. And I was talking to my mom about this the other day. So I had a mentor um, kind of, I mean, he's still amazing. Like I still follow him and um, still talk to him every now and then. But really when I was a teenager, he was a mentor to me and took me on my first mission trip and, you know, all that fun stuff. But, um, he sat me down when I was 16 years old at a Burger King and we were talking about ministry and talking about mission work. And he said, Casey, you have to meet a person's physical needs before you can address their spiritual needs. And that was very, very interesting to me because I had always just heard like, you need Jesus, you need Jesus, you need Jesus, you need Jesus more than you need physical healing. You need Jesus more than you need, um, to not be hungry. All of these things, Jesus is all you need. And while that's true, um, the idea that people are going to respond better when they're not hungry or when they're not cold or when they're not sick. So no, we can't fix everything physically. Like if someone has, um, you know, a terminal illness, we might not be able to fix it, but we can at least show that we care about their physical ailments. And, I think that once we even show that we care a little bit, people are going to be a lot more um, apt to listening to the good news of the gospel. Because I think in a lot of people's minds, like if they don't know who Jesus is, if they haven't heard the gospel, all they're going to be thinking is this person doesn't care about me. Like they're trying to tell me all of this stuff that like is just way out here in left field and I'm hurting or I'm bleeding or I'm hungry or I'm cold and they're not going to listen. And so I think Jesus was such a good example of this and I think that this is a big part of why he why he was meeting these physical needs not only to show his power and show how he could do miracles and show um, his divinity but also so these people would listen to him and Mm -hmm. so he showed that he cared about the whole person and it's a lot easier for us to go and hand out tracts to people or to say you know Jesus loves you than it is to like really invest in a whole person and so I think that's a lot of times why that gets put on the back burner is because it takes work like truly caring for people's physical Mm -hmm. needs takes a lot of work but I think it is such an important piece of of sharing the gospel yeah and so anyway that's just a soapbox because I think that I think that it's a piece that's missed you don't hear about it very much I think people go one or the other 
they yeah. don't yeah. know how to do both. They don't know how to do both. Yeah. And they're both so important. Right. So right. important. Yeah, that's good. So as we close out um, chapter four, we see, if we're just like looking back kind of where we're at right now before we jump into chapter five, where we'll start the Sermon on the Mount, the part that we are so excited about. But um, we look back and we see Jesus has, we see where he's come from. We see how he... Um, sponsored and endorsed sponsored isn't the right word he endorsed john's ministry we see that he humbled himself (laughs) too much much nonprofit talk lately (laughs) that's true (laughs) we see that he humbled himself and was baptized as an example for us we saw him walk through temptation and show that he was the true and better adam so i'm going to read this quick little quote that kind of i think shed some light on what we've seen so far before we shift into our new section of the scripture. And this is from gospel fluency. And he says, we need more than the humble life of Christ. We also need the victorious rule and ministry of Christ to overcome Satan's schemes, bringing healing and restoration to the brokenness that sin produces and provide reconciliation between God and man. I think that that kind of summarizes. We saw the humility of Christ, but we also see the power of Christ in overcoming temptation. And we see the beginning of his ministry as he's gathering his disciples. Okay, so we're going to stop here and we're going to pick up next week with um, chapter, the first half of chapter five, um, where we'll cover the Beatitudes. And so your memory verse for this week is a nice short one. It's chapter five, verse eight, and it says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. A nice short one for you. Memorize with your kids, listen to the seeds family song and uh, have some fun with that this week. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobb. 